The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, viewers and listeners. It has been called a wonder drug for its unintended benefits to anyone wrestling with obesity. Ozempic does for obese people what their bodies can no longer do, that being shed weight. Dr. Devin Parsons, an obesity specialist, says your body locks on to what it believes is your ideal weight, that being the highest weight of your life, and it does not want to let go. In a study published by the American Journal of Public Health, the odds of returning to normal weight for a man with obesity are 1 in 210, and for women, 1 in 124, and the odds worsen as weight increases. Dr. Parson adds, for those who do lose weight, keeping it off is even more difficult. That's because your body reprograms itself to believe that your highest weight will ward off starvation. I invited obesity specialist Dr. Devin Parsons to join me for a conversation that matters about obesity and Ozempic. <laughs> Before we dig into Ozempic, let's have a little bit of an examination about what exactly is obesity and why when you fall into that state is it so difficult to reverse what all that food brought on. Absolutely. Well, I, I think uh, historically we've thought about obesity as being uh, having a condition of having a BMI greater than 30, just a problem where your weight is too great for your height. But that's actually changed quite considerably over the last 10 years or so, where we're starting to see obesity more as a complex chronic disease with complex underpinnings and causes. And as a result of that, uh, you know, the treatment has to be complex as well. It's not as simple as, you know, trying to eat less and move more. We know now, as you've mentioned from research, that that doesn't work. A chronic disease? Obesity as a chronic disease? I've not heard this before. Absolutely. So, you know, obesity really, like any other chronic disease, is something that requires really lifelong treatment. We know that once someone has developed obesity and potentially complications of it, like high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol, or diabetes, they are fundamentally different from someone who's never had that problem. So even after effective treatment and you know, getting their weight down to what it may have been you know, before they developed obesity, they are fundamentally different metabolically and in terms of their brain functioning than they were before they'd had that problem. Metabolically and brain function? Like it's a combination of the two? It's a combination of, of those two as well as, you know, many other factors actually. You know, that word complex really is, uh, is the truth when it comes to obesity. So when it comes to brain chemistry, we know that our hunger hormones and fullness hormones are, are different and at different levels following weight loss. And we know that our body becomes much more efficient at uh, getting things done using less calorie burn throughout the day compared to someone who has always been at that healthy weight as opposed to someone who got there after significant weight loss. Explain that again. What do you mean that you become more efficient at doing things like as you're kind of in that stage between obesity sure. and weight loss? So let's say if we have someone who you know weighs 150 pounds and they've always weighed that much, when they do a certain you know workout at the gym, they might burn a certain amount of calories. If someone who was formerly obese and has through diet, exercise, uh, or medication gotten down to that same weight and they did that same workout, the research shows that they actually burn fewer calories doing that same workout because their muscles become more efficient at doing that work. 
why would their muscles become more efficient? Isn't 150 pounds 150 pounds? Like, why would one person get the particular calorie burn and the other one who's lost weight, I mean, which is a terrific thing, not get the same benefit? Well, that's the frustration, right? We think that 150 pounds should be 150 pounds and that person should be able to maintain their weight through the same sort of diet and exercise practices as someone who had never previously been obese. But actually, the body sees these really significant changes in how it metabolizes nutrition and how it functions that make it a lot more difficult to maintain weight if you were someone who previously weighed more than if you've always been at that weight. And that ties back into that set point you were mentioning before where you know our body is constantly fighting to get us back to that higher weight. So, so let's say you had been 220 pounds, you get down to 150. Is your body basically saying, I don't care how much exercise you're doing, I'm not going to burn off that food because from my perspective, you're starving. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, and it's not just that, right? In, in addition to that, your hunger hormones are through the roof and your fullness hormones are, are being lowered so that you experience far more uh, increased appetite and food craving. And at the same time, studies show that the areas of our brain that are involved in um, executive functioning, meaning sort of self-control, willpower, restraint, conscious reasoning, those areas of the brain are suppressed in their functioning. So you're left with a situation where you're getting less benefit from in terms of calorie burn from the activity that you're doing you are hungrier than ever and you have less ability to restrain yourself from giving into that appetite oh my gosh that is like a scary prospect that's why those the odds of are like so far off uh, of being able to actually get your weight down and then it said it gets even harder to maintain it and so this is the thing your body just does not want you to return to what ideally should be a healthy weight that's right. Our, uh, our brain thinks about a healthy weight differently than, than we do, I guess. Uh, but, you know, exactly as you say, you know, actually losing weight is, you know, difficult in and of itself. But weight maintenance has been shown to really be an even greater struggle. So we see that, you know, really with any different uh, calorie restriction diet, whether it's low fat, uh, low carb, keto or intermittent fasting, we can lose weight with any of those diets. But the problem becomes actually maintaining that weight loss in the long run. And that's where these new uh, medications such as semaglutide or Ozempic come into play. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. I'm still curious as to what got us to the point where so many of us uh, wound up struggling with obesity. Is it the North American diet? And is this really something that we see particularly in North America or maybe in, in parts of Europe as well? Well, more and more it is becoming a, a worldwide phenomena. And certainly part of it is, you know, our, our North American culture and diet and changes around that. But again, it's an, an interplay between a number of factors. So if you think about it as we have this uh, brain system calibrated to maintain our body at its set point, that set point is far better calibrated to protect against weight loss than it is to protect against weight gain. The reason being for much of our evolutionary history, it was a much bigger problem to starve than it was to, to overeat or be overfed. 
because there wasn't an abundance of food around. That's right. And and now mm. you know we have that system that adapted for scarcity. But instead, we're in an environment where food is abundant. We're in an environment where we see a lot of processed foods that are extremely calorie dense and extremely rewarding to our brain. So we see a lot more cravings for foods. We see a lot more advertisement for food. Food is a lot more convenient. We have access to it far more often throughout the day and with very little effort. So a completely different environment than we really evolved to exist in. And we're not used to being hungry. That's right. Whereas our forefathers or ancestors were. They didn't necessarily have a guaranteed uh, meal at the end of the day. They didn't have a guaranteed meal and they had to, to work harder for their meals. And you know, in addition, yeah. the meal was completely different in composition than we do now, right? You know, you had to really go and, and forage or hunt for your food versus in you know today's society, you can walk five steps to the vending machine. You know, it's it, food is more convenient than it's ever been, and the composition of it in terms of nutrition is completely different. So I did an interview a number of years ago with Dr. Michael Lyons, and right. he he had this line that always haunts me. He said, you cannot out-exercise your fork. <laughs> like, yes. so with an abundance of food around, you know, what percentage of us are like tipping the scales too far mm -hmm. to be able to get back? It must be high. Well, we see that the uh, incidence of overweight and obesity has been rising you know, year over year. And, and particularly, we're seeing increasing rates of severe obesity, where people are getting more complications as a result of that. And that's you know, really important for our society to address because we see a lot of health complications from that in terms of not only things like diabetes and cardiovascular risk, but increased risk of various cancers and, and many other conditions. Gout. Gout, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And does the list just go on and on and on and on? It's it's lengthy. Yeah, you know, and, and really there's these metabolic conditions that stem from, uh, you know, the, the increased amount of fat tissue functioning differently and causing unhealthy changes in our, our metabolic health. But there's also what we call, you know, fat mass disease. So having sort of just more tissue on your body, which can result in impaired mobility, osteoarthritis. Um, so really, obesity is a condition that affects every system in the body. So once you're there, it's not a question of mind over matter. Like it really is like your mind has changed and your body is programming you to stay at that weight. <laughs> you know, in, in, in my opening there, I talked about, you know, Ozempic being a wonder drug. How is it that Ozempic then helps to, I guess, thwart these natural tendencies of the body to help people lose weight? Right. Well, you know, what I often say to my patients is that, you know, if you're bringing your willpower to a battle against biology, you're going to lose every time. Mm -hmm. right? and, and so I think the problem with the way that we've traditionally treated obesity, telling people that they need to go on a diet and eat less and move more, is that, you know, we, we know from evidence that this is, you know, very unlikely to be successful. And then when people fail, they feel horrible, right? They feel like they were unable to sort of meet the standard. They're lazy. They don't have the willpower. They just need to try harder. Right. And there's so a it, stigma attached to it. There's a huge it. stigma. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So I think that's sort of, you know, one of the, the other downsides of the traditional method of treatment is that it leaves people really feeling less than in their, their battle with managing this chronic condition. And the difference with uh, medications or pharmacotherapy like Ozempic or the generic name is semaglutide 
is we are aiming to actually counteract some of those changes that we see with weight loss. Uh, yeah, okay. I think it's important that we uh, mention that it's not just Ozempic. There are a couple of other semaglutides that are available on the market. That's right. So, you mm. know, when, we, when we're talking about semaglutide, there's a couple of different brand names out there. Ozempic is actually the, the version that's intended to treat type 2 diabetes. Mm. Uh, Wegovi is the medication that's intended for, uh, for obesity treatment. But as of right now, it's not available in Canada. Oh, it's not. Okay. But in essence, is it not the same thing? Because when I was doing a little bit of research, it says that the FDA has a, uh, has approved that as a specifically for weight loss, whereas Ozempic is not designed to be a weight loss drug, but that seems to be the unintended consequence. The drug is the same. The packaging mm. is different. Oh, so, okay. you know, you can achieve slightly different dosages using Wegovy versus Ozempic, uh, but you're absolutely correct in thinking that the, the drug itself is the same. It's a little bit like when Viagra was created. It was actually as a stop smoking medication. <laughs> and then they noticed that there were these other unintended consequences absolutely. and it became, a, it, it became prescribed for something else. Absolutely. That happens mm. all the time in medicine. And that oh. was, uh, that was Olympics journey for sure. But so is obesity a, a reason enough for somebody to be because it's only by prescription that Ozempic is available, correct? Correct. Yeah. So is obesity enough for a prescription or do you actually have to be uh, wrestling with type 2 diabetes because that is the intended use of the drug? Absolutely. So so in Canada Ozempic is approved on label for diabetes. Mm-hmm. Be- Wegovy has been approved on label in Canada for obesity. However, it's not actually available here. We can't get our hands on it. And okay. So as a result, a lot of physicians are using Ozempic to treat obesity. It's the same medication, but technically it's not been approved for obesity because Wegovy is the version that's intended for that use. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. So if somebody is obese, do they then by default have type 2 diabetes? Are the two synonymous? No, absolutely not. And that's a great question because really one of the things that we've come to realize in seeing obesity as a complex chronic disease is that not everyone follows the same disease trajectory. Mm -hmm. You might have one person who has obesity but really no complications from it. They feel great. They have good metabolic health. They don't have type 2 diabetes or any of those other conditions. Well, edema, I guess, would be part of that as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, so they may have really, really none of those complications. Right. They may be physically active and feel well and really have their weight not bother them much at all. And you might have someone else with the same BMI who has you know, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, gout, high cholesterol, and really significant complications from their obesity. So, you know, while both patients are eligible for for treatment and and should absolutely be considered for it, um, the sort of potential degree of benefit that they're going to get from treatment might be greater for someone with more complications from their weight. Hmm. Okay. So how does Ozempic work? Yes, absolutely. What is the mechanism by which this drug starts to change all those things that we've just been talking about, how your body goes, no, I want you to be here and I want you to eat that food. Right. So so as I mentioned sort of before when we were talking about how our body is different following weight loss, one of the things that I mentioned is that our hunger hormones go down and our fullness hormones, or rather our hunger hormones go up and our fullness hormones go down. Like we feel hungry all the time and we want to eat. That's right. Yeah. And we don't feel satisfied after you're done eating. Yeah. So essentially what Ozempic is, is it's a synthetic version of a fullness hormone that's 
that's naturally produced in the body called GLP-1. And so what we're doing when we're giving someone Ozempic is we're giving them a baseline level of this fullness hormone all the time to supplement what their own body is making. And this oh. results in greater feelings of fullness and satisfaction after eating. And as a result, people eat less and they lose weight. Huh. So it's telling your body what your body would normally tell you if you hadn't sort of reprogrammed it by tipping over into obesity. In a sense, yeah. <laughs> so it, but it's not actually making your metabolism work faster or harder or any of those kinds of things. It's almost like a little bit of a mind game. <laughs> It, it is. It's a, it is an absolutely a mind game. So it, it really works at the level of the brain in order to manipulate that set point regulation that we've been talking about. So it's trying to tip the scales back towards targeting a more healthy body weight rather than the high body weight that the brain is trying to protect. Now, I did read that it also does help to uh, help the pancreas in the production of insulin. Is that And is that the reason why it's uh, regarded as a type 2 diabetic? Uh, treatment? Yeah, there's there's a few different mechanisms by which semaglutide works. The first is this fullness hormone mechanism that we've been chatting about. Uh, another way that it works absolutely is stimulating the pancreas to release more insulin. Um, and that's why it also does help to lower blood sugar in people with diabetes even before they've lost any weight. So it has that effect independent of weight loss. But that uh, additional production of insulin, it really is apart from the the impact that it has in helping you to reduce weight. That's right. Huh. Okay. So it's about getting your brain to say, yep, I've had enough. And, uh, and your stomach says the same thing. It also slows down the emptying of food from the stomach. So you have more of a sensation of, of fullness in your stomach as well. Hmm. Are there side effects to it? Of course. You know, with, with every drug, there's always going to be side effects. And so it's always about balancing the potential benefits and, and risks in any given patient. With Ozempic, the most common side effects are gastrointestinal side effects. So we see nausea, we see heartburn, we see changes in bowel function, so either constipation or diarrhea. Those are definitely the most common things that we see. For most people, they're pretty mild side effects and they tend to get better after the first few weeks. But for some people, they experience them to a more significant degree and end up having to stop the medication. It is, okay, then what happens if they stop the medication? Does their weight then go back up? Well, you know, just like with any other chronic disease, it requires ongoing treatment. And mm -hmm. so if we stop Ozempic, we do see that the weight tends to drift back up towards what it was before. For the very reasons that we discussed. Exactly, right? We, we haven't changed any of the underlying problem that's going on here. We're just supplementing that fullness hormone. So if we take that away, things mm -hmm. tend to go back to how they were before. It's not a, a regain or a ballooning of weight beyond where it was before, but just a tendency to go back to, to the previous pattern that you were in. Because it's been programmed into your brain to go there. Exactly right. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support. So if this is chronic and you need to be on it for ever, if you want to keep the weight off, um, does the medical system uh, accommodate that ongoing uh, use of the drug? Um, like, are you able to just 
continually renew? Or is there a process of you got to go back, be assessed by uh, your uh, physician, and then re-prescribed? Well, so again, just like with any other chronic disease, you should be under the care of a physician who is monitoring this for you on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So generally when we're first starting the medication, that follow-up is is closer together. You know, every few weeks we might be meeting to review side effects, adjust the dose. If someone's been stable on the medication for a long time, then we might just be meeting every six months to check in and and do your medication renewals. But absolutely the the long-term option is there and that's what we should be doing for patients with obesity. Now, I was reading that when you start, you start at a lower dosage and then you from 0.25 and then increased by doubling that over a period of time. Why? What's the what's the reasoning behind that? Well, we start at a low dose really to, um, to make sure that people don't have severe side effects. So, you know, we're starting at a low dose to give people an opportunity to get used to the drug. If they get any nausea or heartburn, it would be more mild that way. And then after a few weeks, if those side effects settle out and they're adjusting to the drug well, then we can continue to increase the dose in order to get more of an effect in terms of weight loss. So does it have to go to the maximum dose or is it based, you know, individually? It's individualized, right? You know, if we get someone up to a, a midpoint at the dose and going any higher gives them significant side effects and they can't tolerate it, mm. then we're not going to push it higher than that. We just stop where at the highest dose that they can tolerate. And likewise, you know, some people get most of the benefit from weight loss at a, a lower dose. In general, if people tolerate it, we're going to push it up to the highest dose to see how much weight loss we can achieve for them. But sometimes going up to the highest dose doesn't give any additional benefit. And so we might end, end up going back down to a, a lower dose. So I want to go back to the topic of exercise. Sure. Uh, so if, if Ozempic works because it's helping you to feel satisfied and slowers and slows the rate at which you feel, you know, your stomach is empty, um, do you you know, benefit from doing exercise in that weight loss program or does Ozempic just help look after that? So this is something I always talk about with my patients when we're starting them on any sort of weight loss medication is that exercise is actually really important, particularly during that weight loss phase. And the reason for that is if we can get people doing some resistance training to stimulate their muscles, we can encourage their body to hold on to more lean tissue like muscle and lose more fat rather than losing sort of more of the, the lean tissue along with fat. So Ozempic really does allow you to eat less and move more and see a benefit. Whereas we were talking about when you're in obesity, you may eat less, move more, but not see a benefit. That's right. And, and really the, uh, the moving more that we're doing when people are on Ozempic isn't to supplement or augment weight loss. It's not really going to have that effect. It's more for the benefit of your overall health, your body composition, mm -hmm. staying strong while you're losing weight. So back to the health benefits, you know, we talked about, you know, what the downside is as far as obesity, heart disease, you know, and, and so on. Have we seen uh, like marked improvements in those elements that obesity, you know, threatens our overall well-being. Like, mm -hmm. is Ozempic actually helping to reduce the risk mm -hmm. of cardiovascular disease and mm -hmm. so on? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, every um, every few months we're getting new research coming out showing a benefit in a different metabolic condition. So, you know, mm -hmm. so far we've seen benefit obviously for diabetes, which is what it was initially used for. Uh, but there's also been some studies suggesting benefit for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, for gout 
We see improvement in cholesterol profiles. Sometimes we see improvement in blood pressure with that weight loss. Um, and even in things like osteoarthritis, we see improvement in, in knee and hip pain with uh, <laughs> weight loss in people who are starting at a higher weight. So I find it interesting, the wonder drug that tricks your brain into thinking that you're not as hungry as you believe that you are, and you benefit in, in many, many different ways. Uh, it's an exciting time, actually, I'm sure for somebody for you, like helping to help your patients in this manner. It's, it absolutely is. It's a really exciting time to be a part of this field. And I think that my favorite part is that sometimes when we're starting people on these medications and they realize that, okay, this wasn't a problem with my willpower or with my gluttony or laziness, you know, this whole time, it was actually a hormonal problem that can be solved with medication. And that's really psychologically powerful for people to realize. It's an interesting uh, opportunity to give people hope. Thank you very much for uh, sharing these insights. Yeah, thank you for having me. Please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a Patreon supporter. Thank you to Audlin Brown and BD Developments for their support.